0: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
1: Inside Access with Jason Lockonfora
2: and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. One zero
3: five seven the fan.
4: Orioles win last night 14 to 8. Back in action tonight in Boston. Game two of a four game series. Remember Baltimore baseball tonight? Bob Haney. And Bill Ripken tonight at 6. And let's go out to the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline now and join a, another member of our Baltimore Baseball Tonight coverage, Oreo Hall of Famer, Mike Bordick. And Bordick, good afternoon. Thank you, as always, for joining us. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this. You're, it's it's late September. You're in Boston. It's 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 fall. It's cold. It's rainy. Two-hour rain delay. How tough is, is a game like last night to endure for a player?
1: Uh it could have been snowing, I guess, so uh, I guess it could have been worse. But uh, it, it was tough, long night, obviously. But um, it was nice to see them kind of keep their focus, at least offensively anyway, because uh, they looked really good, and they came back uh, much like the Red Sox. You know, the Red Sox came back strong, but uh, the Orioles' offense just a little bit too much. But it can get tough, especially at Fenway Park. It's a small clubhouse. There's not a lot to do in there not like these modern-day yeah. clubhouses where they're big and all kinds of fun stuff to, to keep you entertained. Boston's kind of still that old-school uh, stadium. So uh, that, that, from that aspect, it's a little tougher.
2: Bordy, we were talking about Anthony Santander prior to the break. He was seen as a possible trade chip at the deadline, and now he's got 31 home runs on the season. How do you see him fitting into this club next year and beyond?
1: man i love anthony and i i'm so happy for him he's like just getting into his prime right so he's going to have a a few really good years ahead of him he 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 seems to have really mastered his strike zone um uh, unfortunately i think his value is so high right now that that the orioles are going to be willing to push him right out there as uh one of their probably first trade options Uh, that's just the way i feel I, i just think they have so many Young players, Stowers now getting a lot of playing time. Um, Some of these other younger outfielders are going to get more opportunities, I think, in spring training. And and I I don't know that there's room in the end uh, for Anthony, unfortunately. Um, And I think they're going to probably go with the youth movement. It would surprise me if Anthony was still here next year.
2: On that note, Bordy, focusing on 2022, he's going to be a big factor in the most valuable Oriole. Of this season, they're giving out that award next week. Who gets your nod there?
1: Yeah, I'm on Anthony. I'm also a huge fan of Mateo. I know Mateo's offensive numbers aren't glowing, but the things he's done with his glove have really helped lower the team earned run average. I mean, okay, let's let's face it: the Orioles pitching has done a nice job, but if it wasn't for Mateo at shortstop, I think you could probably tack on another run yeah. to everybody's earned run average, even though it's completely dropped. You know, two, two earned runs, really, over the course of the year. He has been that impactful defensively. I just don't think you can underestimate that value. So the teams that are going to be in the postseason this year, um, yeah, they, they probably have some strong offenses, but it's because their defense is solid. And typically the teams that end up winning – Going to the World Series or have the strong defense. Defense is huge, and Mateo is the is definitely the blue chip out there. Um, I love the backbone of this team. I talked about it the last time I was <clears throat> on the pregame show. Uh, Rutschman obviously is an incredible yeah. improvement behind the plate, um, but Mateo is shortstop is. If he doesn't win the Gold Glove, I mean I, I don't know. I think that it's rigged because uh, <laughs> he makes plays that nobody else can make. Yeah.
5: Yeah, they got a special spine, and then obviously Cedric in center field. Bordy, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of fun last night watching these young left-handed power hitters get their first shot at Fenway Park looking at that monster, and we know that Stowers and Gunner have plenty of, of opposite field power. I, I got a real kick out of that. I'm guessing you did too, and what is that like when you're in the batter's box there for the first time?
1: So cool. I mean, Fenway Park has, uh, you know, incredible memories for me because I went there as a kid. I saw. Yeah. I was there for Carl Yastrzemski's birthday. I mean, just unbelievable. And the, just the history that that park holds, there aren't many anymore that, that have that kind of incredible history where you can really feel, you know, the spirit of the game. And, you know, hopefully those young kids, I, I know they probably did, but take it in go behind the, the uh, scoreboard out there on the Green Monster, see all the autographs. I'm sure they, they all probably signed it up. Maybe that was their little, their little uh, field trip during the <laughs> rain delay to go out there behind the Green Monster. I mean, you think of the incredible players that have dug in in that batter's box, um, and I hope they all appreciated every moment there at Fenway Park. It seemed like they did because they put on a quite a show in last night's game.
4: Talking to Mike Bordick, it's Inside Access on the Fan. I, I want to follow up about Gunner and something we were talking about last segment, Bordy. He was in an over 16 slump going into last yeah. night's game. Sits a, takes three walks, like the, the maturity of him as a hitter and, and knowing the strike zone. And then he hits a ball to the moon uh, for a home run after the three walks. Just incredible, for me. to me, maturity in the batter's box for a kid going through a slump.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, totally. Um, you know, I was feeling for him a little bit because you could just see how much young uh, energy he has. He was kind of showing his frustration at times, really trying to bite his lip. He just wanted to scream. and, and uh, But incredible patience. You're exactly right. You just don't see that from too many young players. You don't see that from too many veteran players who go through a, you know, a slump. They try to hit their way out of it. They expand the zone to try to get that knock. Um, but he showed incredible patience last night and then to all of a sudden be ready for the pitch over the plate and destroying it to center field. I, I don't know what the total footage was on that, but there aren't too many home runs hit out there. I mean, I remember watching, you know, McGuire and those guys hit bombs out of Fenway Park and being in awe. That was a, uh, one of those moments where I was just, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That was incredible. And and then to be a, like I said, I mean to walk three times and then have that much patience to wait for his pitch and just destroy it, uh, it, was something pretty special. I mean he is he is a special player. He got a little tangled up on that one ground ball down the line. Uh, couldn't quite tell if he wanted to backhand or get in front, so he's a little in between there. But you could tell he was kind of being a student of the game and really self-evaluating out there when they showed you know his face after that. So. That's a good sign, too. You know, you have to be your own coach in in many situations, and um, he certainly has that as an extra tool as well.
5: Bordy, not sure if you you kept an eye on uh, the Norfolk Tides last night or not, but uh, Grayson Rodriguez on the bump. He goes 89 pitches. He leaves feeling good. Uh, We're running out of time here. I think he's only thrown around 75 innings this year. Norfolk season ends on Wednesday so there is no more minor league inventory of starts for him. What happens yeah. next? Like what yeah, what should I, happen I'd next?
1: I'd love to see him. I I don't see why not. You know, I don't I don't see why they wouldn't bring him up. I I mean, I mean he seems poised. I think all year we've been waiting for him to come up and and they even alluded to the fact that he would probably be brought up. So just to give him a taste of the big leagues, I think will bode well for him going into spring training. Um, And I think it'll also inject more energy into the team, the big league team. Not that they need it. I think they have a ton of energy, but it seems like anytime one of these young guys comes up, they all just like, all right, here we go. We got another blue chipper up here. Let's go. Let's show what we're made of. And and, uh, I think he's done it a bit. And I think he's deserved that opportunity to come up. If he doesn't pitch, you know, just be a part of it, see how things go, learn from Lyles, learn from the rest of these guys, Braddish, you know, that have been doing so well and guys that he's been around. You know, some of his friends in the minor Mm -hmm. leagues that are up here have an incredible success. I think could have a huge impact on him. And his success down the road.
4: Hey, Bordy, would it surprise you to know that Jim Palmer said last night during the broadcast, he's never been inside the monster. You were talking about the guys going inside there during the rain delay. Kevin Brown seemed shocked when cake said he hadn't gone in there.
1: Well, you know what? It's kind of funny you say that because the only time I had gone in there (coughs) was when I was actually working for Masson. And I did an interview with uh, um, one of the players and we actually went out behind the monster. So it doesn't completely surprise me. Um, you know, when you're you're in the game and you're locked in and, you know, broadcasters aren't typically allowed out there. We had to get permission, I guess, uh, you know, from the Fenway Park staff that we could go in there. And I think we were with uh, Joey Richard. Or, um, I'm not sure who we went Joey with. Joey Ricard. Uh, Ricard, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was the only time I'd ever been behind the Green Monster. I, I felt like it was just uh, – kind of sacred ground, and um, I never got back there. I thought Manny Ramirez was the only one allowed to go back there. <laughs> hey, Bordy, thanks as always for jumping on with us. We'll
4: talk next week. All right, guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks buddy. for having me. It's See Inside you. inside Access here on a Tuesday. We've got Northern Exposure coming up next, and uh, the Bengals, they're playing Thursday night against the Dolphins. They won, finally, their first game of the year. We'll hear from Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow next here on The Fan. Northern Exposure on Inside Access.
2: Sponsored by Plaza Ford. See why customers have trusted Plaza Ford for more than 85 years. Get quality vehicles and superior service at Plaza Ford. Bel Air Road in Bel Air or online at plazaford.com.
4: Jason LaConfora and Ken Wyman. Traverse the AFC North. 105.7
2: they're a good team. They got good talent. They got good coaches. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Now that they've won three games in a row, coming off a big win against a, a really good Buffalo team. Really, they've beaten three really good opponents. You know, if you look at New England, uh, Baltimore, and Buffalo, three teams with a lot of talent, good coaches. Um, so, so they're doing a lot of good things right now in all three phases. And I know that our guys are really excited for the challenge. That's Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals. They
4: finally got on the winning side of things, beating the Jets on Sunday. They start week four hosting the Dolphins on Thursday night football. Dolphins, one of only two undefeated teams left in the National Football League, Jason.
5: Yeah, um, and, and look, the Dolphins, I mean, if you're ready to crown them, then that's on you. I mean, they're not getting the pass rush we thought they would get. The defense, not as airtight as it was last year. Um I mean, the Buffalo Bills ran ninety plays on them and held the ball for over forty minutes and somehow didn't beat them. And now they've got to turn around on a short week and go to Cincinnati. Uh I fancy Zach Taylor's chances here to get to get back to five hundred and doesn't it feel like the Dolphins are like like Dude, everything's kinda gone their way. Like now your defense is a hot day and they play ninety snaps and four days later you're playing and your quarterback may or may not play because he may or may not have had a concussion that really is a back injury or a back injury that maybe was a brain injury. Um, and obviously Mike McDonald hasn't cleared that up. Or Mike McDaniel, once a week at least. Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel hasn't cleared that up or name to start yet, although it sounds like he's going to do so by tomorrow. This won't be a game-time decision. But I feel like a lot of this is playing into the Bengals' hands, although one victory over the Jets, T-Bone does not a turnaround
2: make and the Bengals still can't run the ball lick Mm -mm. I was right about to say that Joe Mixon 12 carries for 24 yards as a team 28 carries for 69 yards two and a half yards per carry but real quick to the Dolphins they became just the second team in the last six years to be outgained by 275 yards and still win (laughs) last time it happened 2020 the Dolphins with Tua so I agree that they're due. We know Thursday night football over the years, the home team has a big time advantage. Cincinnati, something I was talking about through the first two weeks, they always dug themselves into a hole. They were able to get a touchdown out of the gate. Then that long Tyler Boyd touchdown to take a 14 to six lead entering the second quarter. They got to get off to better starts. And they did that against the Jets.
4: Let's hear from Joe Burrow, the quarterback of the Bengals, and he says the team's toughness is starting to show.
1: I thought it really showed on that last series. We're just running the ball. Everyone knows we're running it. We're getting in our th- big 13 personnel and running outside zone. Everybody knew what was happening, but we were able to do it. Somali did a great job. Offensive line played played great. And you know that last, that last series was uh, the epitome of what we want to be for the rest of the year.
4: Toughness starting to show, Jason. Uh, but uh, they they were due to get a win based on the way the season started. But still, that 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 offensive line is uh, is not exactly no, it, a thing it, of beauty. It, it's, no, it,
5: it, look, I'm not sure that they have a right tackle who they can really count on right now, and, and that's a situation they're going to have to continue to assess. Um, no one's really talking about their defense, but it, it, look, it's still a pretty, pretty solid unit. And Hendrickson started getting off last week.
2: It's worth know- noting, Jason, that this news came out a couple hours ago. DJ Reader suffered a yeah. knee injury. He's going to be out a month plus, so Oof. that's going to be a big loss for them on their defensive line. Yeah, he was playing. Yeah, really good football. He, he's a hard guy to move.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um. Look, I think at the end of the day, the Bengals are going to be right there with the Ravens and maybe the Browns in this division, right? I mean, we obsess about it. We, we probably get way too down in the weeds about it. But coming into the year, there wasn't a ton probably separating at least three of the teams in this division. Mm-hmm. And now we're almost a month into it. And I would say the exact same thing.
2: I, I agree with that. And I think Cleveland, they're probably doing better than we all thought they would do without Deshaun Watson. But they have a talented roster, maybe not as talented as years past, but we know the Ravens are flawed. We know the Bengals I say it all the time, everything kinda of broke right for them last year. They had they were so healthy, and I just mentioned yes, the DJ right. Reader, that's already news, a start. so that's already there. But these next two games for Cincinnati Dolphins at home and then at Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. You're going to find out a lot about Cincinnati over these next couple of weeks. But Jamison Hensley, who covers the Ravens for ESPN, he tweeted out the ESPN analytics about who could win the AFC North. And shockingly, 58.8% Ravens, 25.4% Bengals. So... Just through three weeks, (laughs) these things fluctuate a lot, but that surprised me seeing that this morning.
4: I'll say this. uh, Who else is going to win this division if not those two teams? Well, I'm just saying the Ravens having such a big... Through three weeks, Jacoby Brissett's
5: the second-best quarterback in this division because Joe Burrow hasn't been able to push the ball downfield. I mean, Joe Burrow got got hit 20 times in the first two weeks. They had turnovers. Yeah, they had no offense. He came out throwing picks against Pittsburgh, probably was still feeling the effects of the... Uh, appendicitis, right? The appendectomy and all that, and he missed that time. But like Jacoby Brissett's been more than fine for the Browns, and, oh, and if the on- they don't, if they land on an onside kick,
4: Three-no. they're right there yeah. with Miami. I hear you, and, and he, he unlocked Amari Cooper last week, so that was nice. I just you, you and are you buying Jacoby Brissett for eleven weeks though? I'm buying the Browns' offense. I don't. My problem with the Browns is the defense.
5: Now Miles Garrett in single car accident. Clowney's yeah. been in a boot already. Denzel Ward looks bad. Jok seems like a positionless p- p- player. Doesn't know where he's supposed to be. That side of it is not what I thought it would be. Offensively, they have those two backs. They have a decent offensive line, and Jacoby Brissett does not turn the ball no. over. And in play action, he's pushing it down the field more than I thought he would.
2: It's kind of they're they're more interesting offensively than I thought. And they got to lean on that run game consistently because what's the defense's best friend for the Browns when you're concerned about them? Keep them on the sideline. Win time of possession. Win it big. And I think that's only going to help that unit, and obviously they're banged up as well. Maybe they get better as the year goes on. Well, I I, I do
4: wonder, could we have a situation in Cleveland... Like is what's brewing in Dallas, where the owner has created a quarterback controversy because Cooper Rush is is winning <laughs> football Jones games. He's he so caught him.
5: up in a in a. You think he'd know a September win yeah. by now. over the
4: hapless Giants? I know the
5: Giants were two and zero, but come on, did you did you, did you watch that operation, nah, yeah, yeah. Daniel Jones with with Running three fifths life. of an offensive line? No, probably two fifths of an offensive line.
4: We <laughs> could could Jacoby Brissett play well enough, <sighs> and when we get to week. Twelve no. or 13. Well, What is What about he? He's playing well, and Ding
5: Dong won't comply. Like won't comply with his therapy, and they have no choice. Well, they, and then they go to the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett, and then Haslam yeah, tries to get out of the contract.
2: But to Ken's point, there's no for them to go through the clown show that they. Oh went, no, they gotta play him. Yeah, but what playing. if he doesn't
5: get reinstated?
2: That's uh, eh, what if. What if the therapists are like, uh uh-uh. uh. It's definitely a and
5: possibility. And they go to the playoffs
2: with Jacoby Brissett. That would be, be fun. Stefanski's coach of the year. Again. Yeah, It's quite possible. <laughs>
4: Two coach of the years in three years. <laughs> three years. Yeah. And then he's still fired yeah. in the middle of next year <laughs> when they're 0-8 with Deshaun Watson
5: <laughs> and the whole locker room hates everybody.
4: Hey, coming up next, Ravens getting ready for Buffalo after their win in New England. We'll talk to our friend Rita Hubbard, get her thoughts on what she saw in Foxborough and what she expects to see this Sunday. Rita Hubbard joins us next here on The Fan.
6: Watch the best baseball highlights and look ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At Bat is your all in one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
4: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
6: Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademark used with permission.
4: When you need answers, when you crave sports, when you want the best, it's 1057 The Fan. By the way, if you miss a segment, make sure you download the Odyssey app, and you can rewind, hear anything that we've done right there on the Odyssey app. Uh, and it's easy to use; works with both. Uh, uh, What's it? Android Play and Apple Play, whatever the, the Android version is. Google Store. Yeah. Well, no, but like on your in your car, any oh, car that's less than five years old yeah, has I has. The, I don't know anything about what you're talking has about. The, has the system? You can just listen to it through your car. Anyhow. Ravens getting ready for Buffalo. It's their day off today, and they'll get started in earnest tomorrow. And let's talk some Ravens with Rita Hubbard. We head out to the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline and talk to Rita now. And Rita, good afternoon. Thank you as always for joining us. Your godson is playing at a ridiculously high level right now.
7: Yes, he is, and and I'm I'm so proud of him. Right, like he's a dude that has always been up for the challenge of being better. And um, I've talked about this before, right? Like when he was at Louisville, apparently like Bobby Petrino would say, these are the things that you need to work on in the off season. And he worked on those things. And then eventually we know he became our Heisman Trophy winner. So um, we were concerned about some of the things that he, you know, struggled in throwing outside the numbers and such. And as of right now, it just feels like he's really in a groove and that, you know, obviously, there's a couple of passes I'm sure he could have wished that he could have back. But for the most part, he's just playing at such a high level that you can overlook the small things that I'm sure he could, he could fix in a hurry. So it, it looks really good for him. I mean, this is he's playing better now than he did in 2019. We know what happened in 2019. Yeah. So it, it's exciting times around here.
2: Rita, well... The left tackle situation. Who's protecting? Oh, no. we, to? <laughs> we got to, Rita. It's a big, no. big deal. <laughs> Daniel Falelei is the guy for now, but Ronnie Stanley practiced back-to-back days Wednesday and Thursday. Didn't practice Friday. we are the streets saying about Stanley, Rita? Is is he coming back this week?
7: I, I don't have I don't have a pulse, but man, hey, listen, we need him to come back this week, okay? Because. uh Cordell had to tell me who the other guy was that eventually is the backup for, for Lele, and I, I do not he's on the practice squad, apparently. So uh, we're running a little thin here now. So, uh, Ronnie Stanley, if you're listening, please, please find a way to make it back Sunday because I don't want to see the guy who's never played a left tackle position before continue to go out there. Oh, and by the way, Vaughn Miller is coming to town. Yes. So let's let's please help, help us, please. We need it this coming weekend.
5: Uh, how about the other side of the ball Rita um oh. I love the turnovers and it's great to have playmakers there but man that was almost 450 yards given up to that popgun offense 7.1 yards per play by New England that that can't be uh, uh they can't be satisfied with that there
7: Um no particularly when you look at the statistics of the New England Patriots prior to that game I think that, that I think um, that they, uh, he had two, he, meaning Mac Jones, had two touchdowns, two interceptions coming into that game. Devontae Parker had nine reception yards coming into that game. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh world, you know, Randy Moss, 2007 <laughs> on, on Sunday. Cordell and I talk about this um, on the winning drive podcast that basically, you know, this is probably the identity of the Baltimore Rangers yes. defense and we have to get used to that. They're a team that doesn't have the personnel really to rush the passer consistently. Um, And then the guys that are consistent with rushing a passer like Justin Houston are older guys that you're relying on to do that. Um, Their linebackers are hit and miss and then their secondary has miscommunication problems. Now I think that the miscommunication issues will get better, you know, as the year goes on because, you know, it's only week three and they have a new defensive coordinator. So those things, you know, obviously can play a role into what's happening, but just from a personnel perspective, I just think this is who they are. Right. And, but if you can make stops in key moments like you did in the new, in the Patriots game um, on Sunday and not screw it up like you did in the Dolphins game, they'll win more games than they'll lose because the offense is so good that they can overcompensate for their weaknesses.
2: Well, sticking in the secondary, Rita, Jalen Armour-Davis, he got benched. Brandon Stevens, he didn't look healthy. He looked a step behind the whole time. And Pepe Williams was getting some run. The third cornerback position seems unsettled right now after Kyle Fuller uh, suffered a season-ending injury. Do you have one of those three guys that you think is going to ultimately land that job?
7: I I mean, I'd say Brandon Stevens, right? He's the guy that, you know, he was here last year. And, he showed some upside last year and I really like Jalen Armour Davis. Some of this was not his fault, right? Like, in the Dolphins game, you know, they had that young man um, and some type of weird man coverage, even though he should have had some over-the-top help, and that was a miscommunication, and then, you know, he's going to have some growing pains, right? Because it felt like every time they had Jalen Harper Davis come out there, um, they was like, Devontae Parker, hey, go over there to him. Just just go to him. <laughs> and I'm going to throw the ball to you with that dude right there, right? So he's going through some struggles. I like him, but I think that Brandon Stevens has probably more the, the experience on his side and he's a little bit more consistent. We know that he was injured, um, so there was some issues there potentially. But I think Stevens can somehow come out to be the number three guy.
4: Rita, how good was was it to see J.K. Dobbins back on the field, and what did you see from him?
7: Oh, man, that was fantastic, right? Like, it it was night and day in the run game from a week ago, and not even just J.K., right? Like, although J.K. is great because he can do so many things, and, you know, like, he can catch the ball in the backfield and such. But just playing, having a different set of guys – I was wondering why Justice Hill wasn't getting more burned. Couldn't understand it. This guy, this is his fourth year with the team, so he's clearly been in this system, this Greg Roman running system, for four seasons, right? I'm trying to understand why was Kenyon Drake getting more, you know, carries and and Justice Hill, right? So you got Justice Hill, you got J.K. Dobbins, and you know the offensive line looked a lot better this uh, this past week. It really was good to see J.K. back. It just helped set a tempo for potentially getting better at the run game. And hopefully if you can get Gus Edwards back to change the pace a little bit and be the bruiser that they need. Because Mike Davis ain't it, y'all. No. I think we can all agree. No. Nah, how-
5: Kenny's got oh. big Mike Davis yeah, problems, hi, Rita. Hi. Kenny's got a thing for Mike Davis. Uh,
7: Cordell, too. Okay, well, the thing might not be here much longer, <laughs> yeah. okay?
4: I'm done with uh, zero to negative one yard carries up the middle.
7: (laughs) <laughs> I'm tired, okay? <laughs> I'm tired of the negative yardage, okay? Mike Davis is a nice guy, I'm sure. But if somehow Gus Edwards finds some way back into um, this offense this season, you know he's the first one out the door. So I, I love the I love seeing J.K. come back just to kind of bring some momentum mm-hmm. and, look, just get his feet wet a little bit. It wasn't like we expected him to have five yards of carry, but I felt like what he did was really good in his first time coming back considering the injury that he had.
5: Rita, Buffalo Bills come to town. Josh Allen, one of the few people on this planet who can do some of the stuff that Lamar can do. Where, where, where are you on this one? Are you optimistic, pessimistic, just going to enjoy it as a football spectacle? Either way.
7: Uh, yeah. I I, I struggle to. I'm just gonna find some peace
5: this mm-hmm. weekend.
7: Okay. Mm-hmm. I I really listen. Do I think that the Ravens can play with them? Yeah, yeah. but. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, this defense, and then you know the Bills are mad because Tua goes out in the game, and they didn't capitalize off of that, really, with yeah. his absence. And then they still found a way to lose that football game. So I just feel like the Bills are coming in mad. I need to know who's going to stop Vaughn Miller. Who is stopping Vaughn Miller, okay? Their secondary is good. I'm concerned. Secondary's banged up. Is. Who's banged up?
4: Their secondary's big-time banged up.
7: Yeah, but I, I, but Elam, I love Kair Elam. Like them at Florida. I know he's a good guy. I mean, he can, he can play really well. So I, I, if he's still playing, I'm, hey, man, I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> I'm concerned about really the front. It's really the front. Like, are they going to be able to stop the pass rush of the Buffalo Bills? And then what are you going to do on the defensive side to stop Josh Allen? Like, what are we doing here, okay? somebody got to step up. And if Justin Houston's not going to play, it's going to be a long day. I'm just hopeful that this is a good football game and that somehow that number one offense can find a way to squeak out a win at home.
2: Well, as you mentioned, the Ravens' defense is banged up, too. Justin Houston, who knows if he's going to play Sunday. Michael Pierce, he definitely won't play. I would assume Isaiah Mack gets brought up from the practice yeah. squad. And JPP, he's going to get thrown into the fire. I mean, what are you expecting out <laughs> of him this week? Jeez, Nothing. Swiss.
7: I mean, not, and not, Nothing. not not because I don't think he can play, right? But, like, he just got fired the other day. Yeah. What, 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 I mean, what are they just going to say? Hey, go after go after eleven y'all just, do, just just i mean 14 go after him real fast i mean that's it right like that's all they can say for him to to be productive because he's not gonna really be caught up to speed in terms of scheme and all that other stuff right so hey man go's go after the quarterback do that hopefully he does a really good job at it and hopefully both guys on the edges can can get some pressure going on but i really have like i have no thoughts about that just because like He's just coming into the fold. Yes. I really hope he can prove me wrong here and just still be a force. But remember, he had off-season surgery too, so it's mm-hmm. like we don't know what we don't know what JPP we're getting. You just hope that he's productive when he does get on the field on Sunday.
4: <laughs> Rita Hubbard, always a pleasure talking to you. We will chat next week.
7: Yes, guys. Thank you. To you soon.
4: Hey, coming up next here on the program. Uh, some The Ravens could have done some things with Lamar, even though it's a fifth-year option. They could have put some incentives in that deal. We'll discuss that. Plus, Ed Reed was on a podcast recently, had some interesting things to say about Lamar and the contract. You'll hear that next here on The Fan. Inside access. Inside Access with Jason Lacanfora and the Ginger Gorilla. There's a lot going on. 1057 The Fan. You can think these people love you. You know, they're showing their true colors right now. You know, and there's no shots at the Ravens because they're organization. That's the business. It's a business first. You know, it's the NFL and it's football to the players and us, and we love that. You know, but it's a business first. To the lead, um, I experienced it. I know it for a fact. It hasn't changed, um, you know. But that's just the way it is, man. You gotta and you gotta know how to operate your business. You know, it's the real world. He's no different than being in any other business. That's Ed Reed, who was recently on a podcast talking about slow I news it was the Ringer. Slow news day, Kevin Clark. The ring. Slow news day podcast. Talking about the Lamar Jackson situation, he said, quite frankly, it's a business, and the Ravens are handling it as such. It is, but it's also personal, because when
5: when your business is the business of risking life, limb, neck, brain, to play a sport week in, week out, it's impossible for it not to be personal. Um, I I had this thought yesterday while we were doing the show. It kind of came to me. And then I did a little more work on it, made a few phone calls, asked a few people what they thought. And I, I have a suggestion for uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And Stone, could you get me the musical accompaniment of the Misfits, please?
4: I am say- inside access.
5: So, per Spotrack, who track all things sports business, you know, on the internet, Lamar Jackson's 15th in the NFL in cash. Uh, do him in the 2022 season. It's 15th highest earning quarterback in the NFL. 34th uh, highest compensated player in the NFL this season at a little over 23000000 million. He'll make uh, $500,000 more than Christian Kirk, who's the 35th highest paid player in the league. And he'll make slightly less than Aiden Hutchinson, who, as we know, Has played three games. Well, I don't even know if he played week one for the Lions, but anyway, he's a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson is currently 32nd among all active quarterbacks in career earnings, behind the likes of Brian Hoyer, Mitch Trubisky, Chad Henney, Chase Daniel. I bring this up to say, I think we got trapped in this world of all or nothing, where... There is no middle ground. Lamar Jackson either gets a fully guaranteed contract more than Deshaun Watson or the Ravens either get him on their terms, which is only guaranteeing the first three years, or or, or, or he just plays out his fifth-year option. But we were remiss in not bringing up something that the Baltimore Ravens should have thought of, and if they thought of it, they should have done, which is this young man is so special. He is so important to this organization, the franchise, this city. He should be so important to Steve Bishotti that the idea of him going out there and playing out a fifth-year option when no other quarterbacks of close to his magnitude do this should have led someone there to say, hey... There's something we could do here that would show we're a class organization, that would send a signal to that locker room and that fan base that we're serious about keeping this young man here. And frankly, it's something that they've done before with guys like Jimmy Smith and teams do all the time to try to put lipstick on a pig when a negotiation doesn't get where you want it to go, but you really want to send a positive vibe to the player. And that's to goose the pot a little bit. That's to say, you know what, Lamar, we're not going to make you go out and play for 23 million for hopefully 23 games, right? Because we hope we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to give you $500,000 for a win or whatever, $500,000 for every 10 touchdown passes. There's simple things they could have done as an organization that I think would have lifted some of this black cloud, would have taken some of the focus off of the whole business side of this equation that's still lingering. And and maybe made Lamar feel a little better and maybe made a lot of people feel a little better. And for a billionaire, another $5 million to Lamar in incentives or $10 million in earned incentives, to me, is a drop in the bucket. And I, I, don't, I don't have a marketing department. I don't have a multi-person PR staff. I don't have a team president and all these layers. But I'm walking the dogs today thinking, man, wouldn't it have been really cool if instead of that paragraph from Eric DaCosta – that we got when these things broke down and the season started, that you got a statement that said something like, we, we regret to inform everyone we were unable to come to terms on a new contract with Lamar Jackson. We did what we could. He did what he could. We're going to respect his wishes, obviously, to go and play football. However, we as an organization felt like Him playing this year for $23 million isn't fair to him. It's not fair to our team, and it's not right. So we put forth an incentive package just to let him know how important he is to recognize him playing above this fifth-year level that's tied to where he was picked and not how well he's played and to send a signal to everybody in this town about how important he is to us and what a meaningful member of this community is and how strongly we will effort to keep him here now and forever. That's off the top of my head. But if you read something like that, Mm -hmm. you don't think it would have resonated more? You don't think that's what a truly classy organization might have done in a situation like this? That is so extreme. That is so unusual. And again, this stuff happens for lesser players around the league all
2: the time, I think it's a really smart idea, and definitely outside the box. It's important. not that outside the well, box for a fifth-year option.
4: I've never seen somebody. People
2: have played around with franchise tags. You can do it. It's important to note when you talk about incentives. There's two different categories: likely to be earned and not likely to be earned. Just a quick example: Mark Andrews in and the contract that he signed last year, he has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus that he gets if he makes the Pro Bowl so that was not likely to be earned um last year but it is this year because he made the Pro Bowl with Lamar Jackson a lot of workarounds with this not likely to be earned is not against the salary cap if he gets it then it would be against the cap next year since Lamar only played in 12 games last year you can make very attainable season-long goals he passed for 2,800 yards maybe you say oh If he passed for 2,900 yards, he gets a couple million dollars. He had 16 touchdown passes. He already has 10. If he passed for 17 touchdown passes, it's not likely to be earned because he didn't do it last year. You could have made very attainable goals for Lamar Jackson to – at least sweeten that twenty. You could still pop. do
5: it now while he's pushing towards two seventy five or three hundred million or wherever this goes. Now to Timmy's point, anything you added to the contract in season would automatically be considered likely to be earned for cap mm-hmm. purposes. But this issue goes so far beyond a couple million dollars in cap space here or there. But the reality is, they weren't doing anything like that. The owner, the billionaire, was coming out and telling you down there at at the Swanky Resort in Florida, that he don't think he's worth it. I'm not sure he's worth it. It's going to take a Super Bowl, and we're probably headed to a franchise tag anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying there are many different things that someone like Sachi Brown or any of the many brilliant people over there could have done to massage this situation. They did not. Little old me, well, if I was consulting for him, I know what I would have told him. Take out your checkbook, bro. Be willing to give him another five to ten million. You got ideas. And let's try to be a little progressive and forward thinking rather than just put a, a
4: paragraph out from the general manager. It's a little bigger than that. Inside Access here on a Tuesday. And coming up next, it's a Tuesday staple. It's a six-pack of our football takeaways from the week. Our week three takeaways next here on the fan.
3: Inside, Inside. access. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.